Last Friday week, the 8th of September, some of you may have noted, was the uh, first anniversary of the death of our late Queen, Queen Elizabeth. To me, she modelled perseverance <clears throat> through attempts on her life, home invasions, family scandals. Then there was widowhood. I'm not sure where, whether many of you saw her sitting alone during corona at her husband's funeral. And then we've just learned recently bone cancer in her last months. No wonder she was struggling with that walking stick at times. Consistently, though, she served. And consistently, she lived and professed her Christian faith. And that's what I so admired in such a public figure. I don't know how old I was, but a relatively young man, when I first heard a recording of her 21st birthday speech, which she spoke from Cape Town in 1947. And I want to read a bit of it to you because it truly inspired me. Perhaps you've heard it. If you haven't, I really encourage you to go online and listen to it. On my 21st birthday, she said, I welcome the opportunity to speak to all the peoples of the British Commonwealth and Empire, wherever they live, whatever race they come from, and whatever language they speak. I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. That speech was four years before I was born, and it does continue to inspire me, and I think it gives us clues as to how we might persevere, even flourish in our lives as Christians in the heavenly kingdom. Own and claim who you are. Make a decision. Commit to it and stick at it. Some may counter, but hey, she was privileged. Daddy was the king. True, but we are equally privileged, aren't we? We can have, like her, if we choose, the king of all kings as our daddy. Grasping our status as children of God, created, loved and saved by God, whether our life be long or short, no matter how well or poorly we did yesterday, no matter what obstacles may come, we can trust in the Lord. Psalm 27.14 encourages, Trust in the Lord. Have faith. Do not despair, but trust in the Lord. There are obstacles. And I want to say to you, if you haven't got obstacles in your life, just wait. <laughs> life is a spiritual battle. But believers are on the winning side. Jesus has won, sin is dealt with, Failure, guilt, poor choices, all dissolved at the cross. Death is destroyed for the believer. Death is the doorway that is mortal death. Physical death is simply the doorway to glory. 
The Isaiah reading that Katrina read reminds us, the Lord says, listen to me, I have cared for you from when you were born. Can we have the next one, Catherine? I am your God and will take care of you. I made you and will care for you. I will give you help and rescue you. But can we believe it? Can we believe it when those really tough things are happening in our lives? Or again, the sceptic might argue, well, that was all right for Israel. They were God's chosen people. But let's never forget, Jacob only had his name changed to Israel after he'd struggled all night long with God. That's what the word Israel means. We are Israel today, the descendants of Abraham, those who struggle with God. What an exhortation to persevere. Jacob saying, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jacob at the time was in fear of his life, remember? He'd been away for so long with Uncle Laban all those years, having stolen the birthright from his brother, and now here he is going back, and Esau's further down the way, and we hears from his men that Esau's got 400 troops with him. Man, he was struggling. All the stuff he sent, presents, hoping that that would proclaim his brother. I think most of us have fears, baggage, regrets. But I want to say today, it's not hard to be spiritual. It isn't. It's very simple. Jesus told us in John 6.29, believe in the one God has sent. That's it. That's it. That's the decision bit. Just believe in the one God has sent. But it's a choice and everyone needs to make that choice. And just as Joshua said to his people then, choose you this day, we must choose every day to believe and trust in Jesus. I know for myself and maybe you at times feel like the father of the boy. Remember the boy who had the fits and um, was mute and he would be thrown down? And Jesus said to him, all things are possible to the one who believes. And remember the father said, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. We're always in this state as believers. An exercise I did, not with this Bible, but with RSV, the old Revised Standard Version, when I was doing my divinity degree, one exercise was to go through the book of Romans and highlight with a yellow highlighter every word that was either to do with soter, saved, or will be saved, or has been saved, or being saved, or salvation, and then put them in two columns. And we discover that in Romans, which is kind of like Paul's gospel to Rome, we've got roughly as many words in this column as in that column. In this column we have what we call realised salvation. It's the salvation we have now. 
In this column we have what we call eschatological salvation, the salvation that is yet to be fulfilled, the salvation that will be completed and perfected as we work out our salvation. There's no fear or worry in getting there because it doesn't depend on us, it depends only on the cross. It's not about how well we do, it's about how well Jesus has done and us staying on the course. Acknowledgement of our inadequacy allows God to work in our lives. It spurs us to prayer. Sinners are saved when just ordinary, regular people, realising our inadequacy, turn to God and ask for forgiveness. Sometimes it takes chronic situations to cause a person to call out to God. Sometimes they have to be almost at death's door or in a violent storm at sea or in a situation of war or, or something, or an earthquake or something really terrible. But there's something almost instinctive in humanity that just at that point cries out. I remember living in Thailand and reading in the Bangkok Post about people who were caught in a storm in the, in the Gulf of Siam. And you know, they'd grown up in that Buddhist tradition, which is so strong in Thailand. And they called out to God, not the God as we understand, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But they called out, if we are saved, we will give ourselves. And they did, and they went and did a year in a Buddhist temple as their thank you for being saved. And that just demonstrates to me that in everyone there is some capacity to call out to God and how important is the mission of the church to let people know that this God is a living God, the Father of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. When life dishes up unexpected stresses, hurts, knockbacks, maybe we think of them as awful things happening to us, but... I, there was a great sermon on the Hour of Power where I've been working lately, recently, where Bobby Schuller talked about sometimes it's not so much that things happen to us, but that perhaps they happen for us. And he cited Joseph as one example, you know, thrown down the well, hated by his brothers, then sold as a slave, accused of sexual misconduct, thrown into prison. But actually, all of those things, Joseph later said to his brothers, you intended it for harm, but God used it for good. And I think it's really important for us to keep in mind that God sees the big picture, especially when we get knockbacks. Did you know that Walt Disney was fired from his first job at the Kansas City Star? The reason? He lacked imagination and had no good ideas. <laughs> a child who was thought to be mentally handicapped and socially awkward, who didn't speak till aged four, was eventually expelled from school and later denied entry to Zurich Polytechnic School, we now remember as Albert Einstein. There are so many similar stories, people who have big knockbacks, big struggles, told by his teacher that he would never mount to anything. It was Winston Churchill's wartime speeches, tenacity, and never, never, never give up attitude that actually spurred the whole 
nation to persevere despite the blitz and the seeming inevitability of Nazi occupation and invasion. It was Churchill again who said, if you're going through hell, keep going. We marked the end of World War II on the 2nd of September with its 70 million conservatively deaths. How different might it have been without that persevering attitude? May we emulate the will to persevere no matter what. When I was very clearly called into more full-time ministry, my dad didn't want me to do it. He'd been very involved as elder and all that sort of thing in churches and lay preacher most of his life. And by now I was in my 30s. And um, I was a bit shocked, you know, that he didn't want me to go into more full-time ministry. But I realised as time went by, it was because he'd seen, you know, so much struggle for those who often find the way very hard. But as he got older, even with some dementia in his later years, his exhortation when I met him, because he'd forget, he'd say, now you're my son, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yes, I said. And then he'd say, do you believe in God, our Heavenly Father, and Jesus, our Saviour? And I'd say, yes, I do, Dad. And he'd say, oh, you've made my day. <laughs> and then he'd say, you hang in there. And he didn't know it. But, of course, he was using the Aussie version of one of the most frequently occurring words in the New Testament. Hupomeno. <clears throat> Persevere. Endure. Stay the distance. Scripture teaches us, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Trust in the Lord. We can say it together, can't we? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths or make your paths straight. And as has been on all of the slides, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. For me, the perseverance and the resolve of our late Queen, of Winston Churchill, or more recently, say, of Gladys Staines and others, it's very inspiring and motivating. But the perseverance under trial that we find in Luke 9.51 of the one who resolutely set his face toward Jerusalem surpasses all. Carrying his own cross for the sins of all to Calvary continues to inspire millions to take up their own cross and resolutely follow him no matter what. 
As Paul wrote to Timothy, God wants everyone to be saved and know the truth. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. There is one God and there is one who brings God and human beings together, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself to redeem the whole human race. All have been redeemed at the cross. I hope you've believed it. He persevered to Calvary for our sakes. But more than that, he perseveres with us still every day. In God's revelation to John concerning Laodicea, Jesus said, listen, I stand at the door and knock. I'm quite sure you know, or you have known, (coughs) (coughs) when Jesus was knocking to you. I certainly knew it when I had that call into full-time ministry on many, many occasions, and in particular when I made my decision for Christ as a teenager. In fact, I was doing some theological studies through Moore College just for fun as a school teacher in my 15th year of school teaching and I'd gone down to the school staff room in the school holidays to do some study because I had an exam coming up. And um, as I was working, it was like God just said, listen, Alan, it's time for you... um, I'm not going to keep... This is what I thought he was saying. I don't think God would ever say this, mind you. But this is what I thought he was saying, and it seems so real. The time will come when I will not be asking you anymore, you know. This, this is the time. And it was so real, I just left everything on the staff room table, locked the door and went home very nervously to say to Jewel, you know, darling, I think God's calling me to full-time ministry. And I was nervous because we were a one-income household with three kids at school and, like, you know, I was thinking this could mean no income or what? I don't know what it's going to mean. <clears throat> and when I told Jewel what I thought God was telling me, she said, I've been wondering when you were going to get the message. (laughs) How do I get on to that? I guess what I'm saying is, you all know when God has knocked on the door of your heart, and you'll know right now if he's knocking at your door, asking you to trust him in some trial or to invite him for some help, or to forgo some worldly attraction. He's persevering with us all every day. Perhaps he's calling you to some new work for his kingdom. Or perhaps it's your full surrender as a child of God by obedience in baptism, following the example recently of Jonah and Connor. At a funeral on Friday, we met uh, the husband of a lady that Julie and I had been in a Bible study group for quite a few years before we moved over to DY four years ago. And um, the husband of this lady, she's currently overseas, we learned, but he was at the same funeral. And it was great to see him there, and he seemed to have, you know, a real joy on his face. And um, when we got chatting to him and finally worked out his name and who he was, because it was a crowd of about 380 at this funeral, and um, he's, he's given his life to Christ. 
And it was just so exciting because his wife's been a committed Christian for ages and he'd come to supper after Bible study and he was always nice and we'd have a few chats and all that, but it's finally happened. And of course, me, you know, probably saying too much, after sharing the joy, I said to him, so have you been baptised? Oh, he said, well, he said, no, I'm waiting on God for that. And I'm thinking, mate, you don't... And I sort of said, gave him a bit of a lecture, the poor bloke. <laughs> but I said, mate... God has already spoken on that. It's clear. You don't have to wait for him to talk. I mean, seriously. At, Pe at Pentecost, it's all been said. Peter explained. Each one of you must turn away from your sins and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins will be forgiven and you will, the promise, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hey, it's very clear. Believe. Repent, be baptised. That's our part. God's part, forgiveness of sins. That's, there's no word to describe it. And the gift of the Holy Spirit, no words to describe it. But it's up to us to make the commitment and do it. It is a true saying to be completely accepted and believed. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But Paul goes on, God was merciful to me in order that Christ Jesus might show his full patience in dealing with me. See, God's always at work in people's lives. Peter also got it early in his second letter when he wrote, Friends, try even harder to make God's call and his choice of you a permanent experience. This is a call to perseverance. If you do so, he adds, you will never abandon your faith. And you know, that's so important to me. The night I was baptised as a 16-year-old, one of my cousins was also baptised. I don't think she's been in a church for decades. People, it's so important to persevere with the Lord every day. It's so important to choose you this day whom you shall serve every day, every morning when we wake up. The Lord is not slow to do what he has promised, Peter went on. As some think, instead he's patient with you. With you. Because he does not want anyone to be destroyed. And you know, you need to hear that. We don't have a lot of hellfire and brimstone preachers these days. But that's the only other alternative, is destruction. That's the only alternative to actually persevering and choosing to follow Christ. God wishes for no one to die. He never did. I love it that it's the same message in the Old Testament as the New. But just for everyone to turn to him and have life. Believing what Jesus has done and is doing for us, even in the hardest of trials, we can say, I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Would you like to read that with me? I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard 
what I have entrusted to him until that day. And in Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through him that strengthens me. Whatever situation we may be in, whatever trial you may be facing right now, you can say those same words. I have the strength. Now, I have no idea what trials some of you may be facing. Most of you I don't know very well at all. Lovely to be here and look at you all, though. But I know this. Some of you have lived nearly as long as me and there might be one or two who've lived a little bit longer. And I guarantee there's been a few and there may even be now some significant trials in your life. Persevere. I have the strength to face all conditions. Not my own strength, but through the power that Christ gives me. Thank you for listening to this sermon. To engage with Grace City Church further, please check out our website, gracecitychurch.net, where you can find links to our socials. Or come visit us in person. All are welcome. God bless.